therootwave.com. What's going on, beautiful people? Thank you for returning back to my channel, The Root Wave. In this episode, I have Monica Flores, from uh, co-founder of Hydropunk. Please say hello, Monica, and let us know how uh, we can find you. And then, if you could just get into a little bit of what you do, please. Hi, guys. My name is Monica Flores, co-founder, editor, and booker of Hydropunk. You could follow me on IG at Rated M or at Hydropunk, H-Y-D-R-0-P-U-N-K. Thank you, Monica. I really appreciate it. Um, this was all unexpected. So I was like, oh, you know, let's kind of, you know, just get all this down on, on tape and then we could discuss a whole bunch of things that we want to discuss. First, let me just bring up that I wanted to always speak to you because you do something that maybe in my gut has always been something very like um, something I've always wanted to do. Maybe, you know, one day in my life um, and, and really be learn what, what it is that I can do and be effective. So if you wouldn't mind just um, explaining a little bit of what you guys are doing and what what you're, what's behind your movement, please. Yeah, definitely. Well, Hydropunk is a Bronx-based grassroots collective founded in 2014 um, with the intent to provide an accessible, safe space for local Bronx artists, community members, and creatives. Um, it all started back in 2014. Me and my brother were really big uh, music enthusiasts and we would travel uh, to Garajo Land, Brooklyn or Queens to enjoy a music scene uh, that ultimately we couldn't relate to. One, it was really far. Two, it was heavily gentrified. And three, we just couldn't relate with the audience that we would find our, uh, ourselves in. That being said, uh, we decided to use our privilege. We have a backyard and to provide an accessible music and art experience with local Bronx creatives. Um, and that's sort of how we kickstarted. Fast forward now to uh, 2019, and we have produced 19 um, music and cultural events through community funding. So we are not a nonprofit. We are not an institution. We are a collective of creatives with different crafts and talents, and we combine it to make some dope stuff. Um, and it was through my booking experience by hosting hip hop and punk shows here in the Bronx that I began to see um, harsh realities. A lot of the people that would come to my shows um, were marginalized community members, uh, usually coming from NYCHA housing or um, from gentrified Monthaven. And it was through uh, dialogue and by authentically meeting the locals that would come to our events that we began to realize, you know, we, I think we think it's important to utilize our platform uh, to talk about the harsh conditions of the Bronx that we still live in um and to utilize our able-bodiedness and our youth uh to hold folks politicians anyone you can think of accountable on serving us bronx creatives who are working to survive and exist in the bronx um we consist of artists journalists uh photographers uh many folks from many different backgrounds um and we combined what we have to offer uh, for the community we are known for hosting um, our Bronx Art Expo. We started off in 2017 in a backyard, and in 2018, we managed to get access to a warehouse uh, by Bruckner, uh, owned by a local Bronx site from Throx Neck. Shout out to James. Uh, and it was there that we showcased 26 local Bronx artists and local vendors. Um, and I don't know if you, if you could find it online, but there was articles written about us about that event. And that event was a testament that uh, we could we could do amazing dope shit without the support of gentrifier developer money. Um, and that's sort of where we are today. We have uh, politicized our platform. 
because we see that there is a growing uh, trend and a growing presence of developments that are happening in Mott Haven, many that are owned by developers who have created the luxury commons that we now see today. Um, and reality is in the United States and all across the country, uh, gentrification is a real thing. Gentrification is something that is taught in academia. It's something that's presented in schools and documentary work. And it's something that affects the livelihood of marginalized communities. It's unregulated. Um, there's a growing housing crisis all over the country. And it's something that's happening in Wynwood, Miami, Boyle Heights, California, Austin, Texas. It's something that we have seen in Jersey City. It's something that we are now seeing in Yonkers, uh, Brownsville, Brooklyn, and so on and so forth. And um, as consciously educated, aware uh, creatives, we are able to identify these trends and understand uh, the mind of a developer who has targeted marginalized hotspots, wants to market and rebrand it for uh, their targeted audience, which are clearly folks that aren't from our neighborhoods. Um, it's the incoming elite that could afford these luxury cuisine business businesses that are popping up and, and these luxury condos. And we know that with the capital that they have, they need to market it. So what? how can they market? They market through tourism. They market through these businesses that they kickstarted. They market through art washing. Art washing is a very real thing. Um, and we are seeing these trends in the Bronx. And through uh, my journalism background, I graduated from Lehman College with a degree in journalism and a double, and a double minor in uh, political science and photography. Um, I'm able to identify these trends and see how it's all interconnected. Um, this is something that's not obsolete, something that's very obscure. This is, some, this is a reality. Um, and we feel that it's our duty as artists to shine light in the best way that we can. And we do it by having events uh, manifested by us for us as a living testament that we don't need these gentry entities to support or sustain us when we could do it collectively. Um, and what really is hurtful is that we live in a current political climate where uh, these developers aren't being regulated or held accountable and we are able to see how local politicians are aligning with them and giving them access to our communities and in this case it's the bronx markle shalma uh, he is endorsed supported and if you look on his round seven page he has a vast array of clientele that are developers these are people that are present in mott haven and this is a red flag for us and what's scary is that he managed to find his way in our community and during the process exploiting local artists. Uh, we do plan on launching our investigative piece in a few days with testaments from his past interns under blocks that have reached out to Hydro and artists that were in the It's the Bronx lineup uh, and sort of give them the platform to speak about their experience. This is a harsh reality that we hope everyone could acknowledge and we would like to hold um, Bronx institutions and the arts and music accountable because where are the resources? What, how come our artists don't know where to go to? I'm an artist. I don't really know what is out there. Where's the accessibility to these resources and these grants that they claim that they have? You know, we live in a digital age and it's time to get with the times. Uh, these artists are falling prey to these marketing schemes. Um, and it's really important that these cultural institutions take initiative and provide resources because if not then they're going to fall prey as we have seen so this is sort of what we're about um we're young 
we're aware, we're educated, and we want to set the standard and ethics for the youth before us because this toxic cycle of artist freelance and insert exploitation is not okay. And we are the new ancestors, so it's important that we uh, pave way for the future and to hold those accountable for not being ethically uh, correct or humane. So that's what we're about. Um, mm -hmm. I am an educator in the South Bronx. Uh, I attended Bronx public school my whole life, Bronx uh, CUNY. I'm a Lehman graduate. Uh, I, I love being from the Bronx. My parents immigrated here back in the 70s. This is the place that welcomed my family. This is the place where I've made all my friends, where I became me. Um, and I'm doing what I can during my temporary life to create real change. And yeah. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Um, you definitely said a lot. I should have prefaced the fact that um, I was part of that Bronx, It's the Bronx event, which is another reason why we're t talking. And we're going to get to that real quick. And I know I'm limited on time. I just wanted to um, ask you real quick. And it, I'm asking you because for myself as well, um, this is all new to me. Um, even the stuff that I'm working in now, which is uh, my business and then also being a creative again, um, something that I'm picking up after so many years. Um, I, you know, one of my first literally in the first couple of months was actually joining the It's the Bronx event um, that kind of just, like you said, kind of came into the community and just kind of picked all of us up and did what they did. Um, but before I get into that, a reason why I did all this stuff and I even interview people like you is because... I got tired of the corruption in corporate America. <laughs> I mean, that's just the facts. I mean, I was kind of sitting there in an office nine to five for the last 10 years going, what the fuck is going on here? Like something is not right. Um, you literally have so solutions to problems and they just kind of not um, by accident, but purposely um, look the other way. So that way the, the, that rat race wheel keeps going within that office and then the big guys are making their money, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, which we can definitely mm -hmm. um, say the same thing happens with our communities, real estate, uh, government officials. I mean, it's everybody's paying to play. Um, and that's what it seems like. Um, so let me ask you real quick for somebody like me that, you know, is seeing this and, and just intuitively, uh, wants to get involved in these things or wants to make differences, what's the best way, especially a, a lot of us in the Bronx, what's the best way for us to um, get involved? What do we look out for? How do we um, safeguard the community and ourselves um, from people like It's the Bronx and the stuff that they did in regards to uh, taking advantage of the artist? And then on the other, the other end, if you wouldn't mind also telling us, as artists, right, that are coming into this market, how do we, um, what's the best advice you can give in regards to like getting us together or how, who do we look for? How do we know who's telling us the truth? Because a lot of what happened with the It's the Bronx event was that they picked on certain people that would then um, give the stamp of approval, which then allowed all the other artists to kind of jump in. So if you, mm -hmm. could, you wouldn't mind just discussing a little bit of all that, please. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and just so I could do a quick PSA to all the artists that um, were under the lineup, it's not your fault. You know, uh, gentrification, again, it's, I wouldn't say it's a complex process, um, but due to the lack of information it and the way that mainstream media um, tends to romanticize or uh, observe or uh, publicize it, um, it's not explained in depthly, unless, of course, you are a, uh, urban planning major in Rutgers, you know, uh, or someone that's uh, tr trying to 
um, that's taken a city and planning course, you know, like uh, there's a lack of information. And we at Hydropunk, we are trying to be um, that source of alternate education where we are able to break it down and make it accessible for folks that aren't able to get access to higher education. Um, besides that, I've observed and I've seen how a local media entities like News 12 The Bronx or The Bronx Times Reporter tends to um, cover uh, these developments that are, that are emerging in Mount Haven. And it's disturbing to know that they're not using uh, their resources or platform to dissect the complexities of gentrification. Um, and what's even more scary is that they have mass media access to our local community that are ultimately being deceived. So uh, we at Hydropunk, we actually created our own lesson plan and we developed um, a very easy to understand uh, board game. We call it Gentrification Loteria. And we managed to put in symbols of elements of gentrification, such as rezonings uh, and other elements that, you know, we all know about gentrification, but we don't really talk about, we don't have spaces to talk about it. So we, that is our way on targeting how to make gentrification um, into everyday dialogue and how to identify the unethicalness of it, because who's going to do that but us, right? Um, aside from that, we as artists have power. We have a lot of power and uh, these people need us. They need us and they need us more than we need them. And what's scary is that we live in a society that tends to commodify and capitalize off our struggle and our arts and crafts and talents. Um, and that's very scary, right? Um, something that did catch our attention was the tone deafness of It's the Bronx and the romanticizing of It's the Struggle mm -hmm. and It's the Hustle. Mm -hmm. um, there's nothing glamorous or it, it's disturbing to see how it got branded. You know, many of our brothers and sisters hustle because uh, we live in society that limits us from reaching our full potential. And this is uh, this is our way, our, our people's way on supporting and sustaining um, themselves through alternate options uh, to survive. There's nothing romantic about hustling. You know, this is what they do to survive. And the fact that Marco Shama was branding that, how he was branding and uh, using imagery of uh, the Ghetto Brothers without uh, providing context on who they were and their values um, just comes to show you that he lacked cultural competence. And um, what's scary is that we have a lot of powerful uh, organizers in the Bronx that uh, have been doing events in our neighborhoods for years. And uh, why should we give a pedestal to someone that isn't from our community and while he is he's uh, creating content that that's not about it you know um as artists it's our duty to educate ourselves and i know that we can only do so much because we just want to create which we just want to manifest um and that's sort of what hydropunk wants to be we want to be that alternate uh education source where we could educate artists on political realities and of the processes behind gentrification and how we are used as tools to rebrand and market neighborhoods
that uh, these developers want to claim. Um, and there's testaments all over the country on how these processes ultimately displace working class communities, as we have seen in Woodwind, Miami, where uh, the Haitian community got displaced because of the lack of regulation of these luxury buildings and the lack of rent control. This is a very real thing and local politicians aren't being held accountable on, on stopping these violent processes that are, that are pushing away families, you know, and that are jeopardizing our culture and our identity. Um, and that's one of the reasons why Hydropunk as well, we uh, have cultural events um, and our team is strictly consisted of local Bronx creatives um, as a way to preserve the authenticity of our borough and as a way to empower these creatives that don't have a safe space uh, to talk about their experiences and their realities as marginalized people of color. Um, mm -hmm. One of the things that I, I also do want to mention is at the upcoming Andrew Freeman home town hall meeting, uh, we at Hydropunk want to hold um, art and cultural institutions accountable for not providing accessible, um, reachable information about what they have, their spaces, is there fee waivers to host spaces, um, are there courses on, on artist protection rights, um, what about grants? You know, uh, what about fellowships? We live in a digital age. You know, there's no excuse to not provide this information on their platforms. And what's hurtful is that we had to take it for the team and uh, sort of set the standard by putting our bodies on the line and having this rally to shine awareness on what's happening. You know, the Bronx is still burning and it's still burning with gentrification and displacement, lack of resources in our education systems. Now there's a jail being built um, in the South Bronx. Uh, we have high rates of asthma, high rates of obesity, high rates of diabetes, you know, what is being done about this? And one of the models that we have in Hydropunk is why wait for them to save us when we can save ourselves. And um, we're young, you know, but we're learning and we trust the process and we all come from different backgrounds and we all have different resources and crafts to offer. And we want to combine our crafts and talents to create change as much as we can you know we're, we're not a nonprofit. we're not an institution we don't have capital like these developers or marco shalma but what we do have is people power and collective support so we want to promote um alternate options on sustainability for artists and for ourselves and i'm proud to say um this is something that got recorded my co-director tr i crossed paths with her um back in 2017 she's a local bronx artist from parkchester she's a painter um, and it was through our events that we were all able to fund her um, to go to college, mm. you know. So we're not a scholarship, but, you know, we managed to host continuous events to support our artists. And TR is a living testament that we are able to support each other in any endeavor that we have um, and in any path that we want to take mm -hmm. in the society. Um, but, yeah, uh, as for artist education, I'm an artist. Uh, the education that I got was not really in school. I, I come from a CUNY background. I graduated from Lehman. Uh, it's tough being an artist because, you know, we all have to eat. Um, but I do believe that collective power, through collective power, you could do a lot. And I mm -hmm. hope that the artists that were a part of the It's the Bronx event are able to see that ultimately you don't need Markle, people like Markle Shalma to lead the way. Uh, from what I observed, 
and from what I've heard, y'all were able to collectivize and work together to create an event, I'm assuming, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, and I am, I'm hoping that after this experience that they continue the work, um, but through a very ethical standpoint. And moving forward, um, we at Hydropunk, we're having a day of education in April, and it's going to be free. Um, and we would like to invite community members and artists to join us during a very critical time of gentrification where we need to get educated on these harsh realities. And we at Hydropunk, we're not here to impose um, our beliefs onto anyone. We're just here to shine light on these realities through facts and education. And what artists choose to do with that information is onto them. But we are very bold to say that we do not accept uh, government money. We're not a nonprofit. Everything that we have done, we have done um, through community support. All our projects that we have created, we've been able to do it by hosting punk and hip hop shows and cultural events. And we've managed to make a good amount of funding through that. And the goal is to uh, have an apparel line. We sell stickers um, and we just, we're artists. You know, we like to think of creative, innovative ways um, to create accessible funding for ourselves and for the artists that we serve. We have paid every musician that has been in our lineup. We have paid every graphic designer that has made our poster. Uh, we have paid uh, just anyone that has a service to offer, we have paid. And we have a very strict code of conduct where uh, if we were to have a tabling event, we have never charged uh, a vendor a table. Mm-hmm. It's always free. And we work our asses off to make sure that everyone gets attended accordingly. Um, and the process is very slow because, again, uh, we're students, we're community members. We have our day jobs on the side, um, but we trust the process and we want to stay true to our ethics and we want to make a testament that we could get shit done collectively and autonomously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I appreciate that answer because I think um, a lot of what um, what's ha- what happened during this whole thing was the people got smacked in the face with reality and then couldn't handle it. That's kind of how I looked at it. And then they scrambled. And then the best thing that I could do in that situation, just because I think maybe I have some experience in it, um, in regards to, like I mentioned earlier in corporate America, where you're like, I had to stand up and say something and do shit. Um, I just kind of advise them that the best thing they could do is either step away from them first because they weren't doing the right thing, but then also just kind of regroup and understand that, they were talented before these people showed up they'll be talented during and then after so what does that mean that means that they can do like you said their own thing they can um, be self-sufficient they can help the community at the same time and then they don't ever have to worry about nonsense like this because Mm -hmm. that's what it is but um i i know that um the first half of the interview i wanted to ask you my questions but i know that you guys also have your media outlet and you guys have asked me you you wanted to ask me some questions in regards to it's the bronx so what I'm going to do right now is just I'm going to switch it to you and let you ask me any questions or, or what you'd want to know in regards to my experience to It's the Bronx. Okay. Um, well, I guess to start off, uh, can you tell me a little bit about who you are um, and what your craft is? Sure. How, did you, how did you come across It's the Bronx? Sure. Um, any red flags during the process while being within it? Um and just, I guess, your overall experience. Uh, I'm, I'm here as an organizer and as a community member that really gives a shit about the arts. You know, art mm-hmm. saved my life, music saved my life, and 
the spaces that we create at Hydropunk are safe havens for people to feel liberated and free, even if it's just for a day, you know? And what's hurtful is that artist beings, uh, from what I've heard, were exploited during the process under Marco Shalma. And that hurts me really mm -hmm. bad. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess we could start off with that, who yeah. you are, what you do, sure. how did you come across It's the Bronx, how was your experience, and what did you learn out of it? Sure. So um, my full name is Esteban Conde. Um, I, I want to say I, I came from a business background where I owned uh, multiple small businesses. Um, then I left that and went into corporate America for a couple of years. Um, I resided in Bronx, I want to say most of my life. I was raised here. I wasn't born here. I was born in Ecuador. <laughs> Um, but, um, I want to say like a year or two ago, I got fed up with just corporate America and all that stuff. I wanted to do my own business, which also infuriated me because the business that I had, uh, wasn't in the Bronx. It was outside of the Bronx. And then when I tried to bring it in the Bronx, there was a lot of, I needed a lot of pay for play, um, for me to actually bring into my business into, into the Bronx or into the city which I thought was, was uh, very discouraging. And then I ended up going to corporate America. Then I ended up leaving. And then now I was like, you know what? I'm going to go do my own thing. I have a lot of experience with business and all that stuff. So now I'm building my consulting business that I'm trying to do something different than other consulting brands do. Um, and I also want to focus a lot of it on helping people um, build things, but with without anything. Um, my first business, I invested $2,500. And then I ended up in my second year doing like 320,000. Um, so I'm, I'm very good at taking, you know, lack of resource and, you know, accentuating the strengths that somebody might have. So that way they can build on something, right? So I'm, I'm good at that. And I want to be able to do that. I'm really new into this on my own. Um, I did have a consulting background in my corporate job as well. Um, but at the same time, I was always a creative. I remember at age 15, 16, I was going to school in Brooklyn, Brooklyn Tech, shout out. Um, you know, a lot of artists, a lot of smart kids. Um, there was a lot of hip hop going on. And I remember I used to book shows like in, at Sylvia's in Harlem at like 15, 16. I also used to produce music. I just love the arts. It's always been, music has been like my favorite. Um, but I also like uh, video and all that stuff. So anyway, when I decided to do the consulting, I wanted to just um, accentuate people's talents and also like interview people in regards to what they're doing. Because there's people out here that have 2,000 followers and those 2,000 followers follow them more hardcore than somebody that may have like 14,000 followers, right? So it's... Mm -hmm. And then a lot of them are coming from the Bronx or, or just the city or I, it wasn't necessarily needed to be a Bronx thing, but it was just like I wanted to grab people from all walks of life, all places and just speak to them um, and, and document it. I thought this was an amazing like this was my way of giving back to the revolution. I felt like like if I document people's stories and really show them, then not only will that help them, but it'll help me also bring in the fact that I'm here just trying to do just trying to live off of something, but also be creative at the same time. So that's pretty much my story. But in regards to it's the Bronx, um, I don't know. I was on social media one day and then I think it might have been Bronx Native that posted, hey, we're looking for talent or something like that. And I was like, oh, let me look into it. And then when I looked into it, I was like, I'm just going to apply because, you know, I I consider myself a creative, but I didn't think uh, how I, I didn't even think they would hit me back up, which honestly, they were I think they were hitting up everyone. Um, and then, um, I ended up getting hit up and they were like, Hey, the first round, you got to fill out this application. Then like another round, you got to fill another application. 
or further into the application, which they kind of referred it as like, if you're actually putting in the work to fill this out, then you're going to make it further, right? Sort of like those job applications that make you fill out like 20 pages. Um, where it's, it's, it's also, if you really read up on it, I know that you probably know it's a psychological testing thing. So it's sort of like, if you're willing to put in the work on that, they can automatically assume that you're going to be a hard worker, which as you said, they, their marketing was based on the hustle that the Bronx artists had. Right. So then, um, that I was fine until that point. The only thing that seemed kind of fishy in the beginning was the communication was very off. Um, it just it just didn't look like something that an or something an event like this would be that unorganized. So then mm -hmm. we ended up meeting at the Union Crossing building, and I have to say the first thing I'd said when I looked up, I was like, nobody in this community bought this shit, <laughs> you know? Because <laughs> I know shit about real estate. I've owned houses before, but I'm just like looking at this. I'm like, this is not owned or operated by any one of us in this community. Like that was just like the first thing that I got. Then I ended up meeting Marco and all of that, and. He reminded me of like every other sleazy corporate guy that they all walk and talk the same. You know, they're just schmoozing you along and they're not really giving you any real substance. They're just kind of like feeding it to you and you're kind of just going. But I have to say that because it was my first round there, I was like, I don't know what what I'm supposed to do. Am I supposed to speak up on this? Like, am I supposed to? I, am, I might be wrong. And then you see everyone that's around them is just so like... Uh, like the opportunity like I wasn't looking for opportunity I just kind of wanted to get my feet wet a little bit it's my first one so when I saw that everyone had the opportunity I was like damn like maybe this is legit so I'm you know what do I know I've never been in the art space like this mm -hmm. but as we went going and then we ended up um doing the first event which was supposed to be at Union Crossing and then wasn't and then all this like melee of just marketing and you could tell that it was all very um one-sided for their round seven company and 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 then their people um i don't know i just started to kind of get turned off but but i have to say that the best thing was meeting everyone that participated at that event and like not letting them down you know what i mean but mm -hmm. i told myself like i'm like something's not right here something's not going on um, and then I remember after we did the event, I, um, we spoke and then you mentioned a couple things and you guys did that article, which I think opened up a lot of people's eyes. So that that was very important. Um, but, you know, once people started connecting dots and going like, yo, this guy just came out of nowhere, put this whole big show in this fucking forty four million dollar, you know, building. <laughs> and then we're all like, yay. And I think people started connecting the dots. And then once. Once this past event, which was also supposed to be a Union Crossing, didn't happen, and then the communication started messing up, then the, the oh everything just started breaking down, and I was like, yo, this is not, this is exactly what my gut feeling told me from the beginning. Some corporate schmucks that don't know what the fuck they're doing, and they're just fucking up people's lives. Um, and, and then that's it. I mean, at the end of it, once everything started falling apart, I was like, yo, I'm out. The only thing that I, I have to say is that, um, one, I did want to defend Hydropunk, you guys, because... Um, there was a lot of what I saw in corporate America, a lot of finger pointing. And honestly, everything that was behind their mess was their fault. So when I saw that they started finger pointing, I was like, this is the sign to bail out. And I think I even told the rest of the crew, I'm like, I'm out. You guys should all bail out too. Because the fact that not one of these people came and was like, oh, this is our fault for this. 
and then just started pointing fingers at people like hydropunk i was like this is ridiculous um this is just and then they wanted us to rally against you guys and rally you know and harass andrew freeman i was like yo this is the most unprofessional shit i've ever seen and this seems very ego based like there's none of this that has anything to do with the bronx the bronx people the event the people who bought tickets i mean um it was just a hot mess and and um and like you said luckily we were able to get out of that um, um, you know, some of us were able to get together now and we're, we're trying to do like our own self-sufficient events. Maybe we throw them like every quarter and stuff just to kind of, you know, get that, keep that going and, and, and not let all the work that, cause a lot of people put in a lot of money and time and work into printing out their stuff, framing their stuff, painting their stuff. I mean, yo, so much work that people, you know, and I hope people that see this be like, yo, can appreciate how much work these people put in and sleepless nights and nervous and anxious you know, so now we're putting an event together in April to kind of hopefully get them going a little bit and make sure that all that work wasn't in vain in hopes that maybe we can establish ourselves in the Bronx mm-hmm. or, or around the city, the five boroughs, and maybe do like a little touring act of all these Bronx artists and collect other artists along the way where we could just help them out and showcase. Because I think a lot of it is just they want to be able to showcase and they want to be able to create, like you said, mm-hmm. with no headaches. And I think um, just coming from a business background and coming from a background where I'm trying to help people with their businesses, I thought this would be a good opportunity to teach them um, how to do that. You know what I'm saying? Even if I'm not involved forever, like, here you go. Look, we did this. It literally took us like two weeks to put together because we were all being upfront. We were all being honest. We were dealing with honest people, local people that all understood what we were trying to do. And and it went smooth. And I'm like, the next time that people like Marco show up and it's not going smooth like that and your gut's kind of like, hey, something's not right. You have to fucking stop. You have to learn to do due diligence. And and one last thing that I just want to say and another reason why I wanted to have you on there is because I think the number one mistake, and this isn't just a gentrification thing, this happens with the government, with our food, our water systems, I mean, everything. The problem is that we're giving everyone the benefit of the doubt mm-hmm. on everything. I mean, there's not one thing we don't give people the benefit of the doubt, and I think that's the one of the worst mistakes that we as human beings can make, especially in this time. Um, we have the resources, the knowledge, the community we have the internet that puts us all together none of us should be giving anyone the benefit of the doubt we should all be researching um and also understand that if somebody's approaching you to say hey represent my brand you got to understand that your followers are going to follow that brand also so you don't want to look stupid if that brand screws you over and then screws your followers over so i think all of that stuff is very important to really put take two seconds two minutes to actually put a microscope down and then be like yo is this the right thing for me or not and my followers and my people and my community and the artists involved and just it's like a ripple effect that you know it would have taken you two months to be like yo this guy does not belong in the bronx and he's nowhere near from the bronx and this huge ass 44 million dollar building would never be purchased by anyone in the bronx right now so i mean all those were red flags that that everyone should have just put took heed from and 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 done something but like you said there's a lot of hungry people out there and they don't know better i didn't know better either because i was this is my first shot at this so i was like oh i don't everyone's like yo the art was a little different than the corporate i'm like "Mm." turns out there's a lot of similarities in it so yeah it's all interconnected and again it was a learning curve for everyone and you guys shouldn't guilt yourselves for it now Mm -hmm. you know that you have collective power to manifest whatever you want to manifest and we had hydropunk um we feel that just as long it falls under our our standards and our ethics, you know, like if, if it's done by y'all and not by them, then we are more than willing 
to um, endorse and sponsor any way that we can. You know, we want to prove to our people that we can get whatever we want done through collective, authentic um, power. Mm -hmm. And that's something that we want to promote in Hydropunk, community empowerment. And uh, the love in, in manifesting anything you want to create um, by us, for us, and for our community. And something that I did, I also did want to ask, um, who was... Who was in? Who was leading this? Was it Marco? And who was the targeted audience? Why was it that the event was twenty to thirty dollars a ticket? And correct me if I'm wrong with what I'm saying. Um, but this is what I saw on the Eventbrite. Um, who was the targeted audience? And how was outreach? Did he have y'all or what? With his uh power and money, which I'm assuming he had, like was he going out to the local streets and and having the locals um know about this event? Who, how, how was outreach? Like, who, who was the targeted audience? Well, that's, that's something that, that I question. Yeah, well, that's the power. Like you said, the, we're in the digital age, so that's the power of the internet. Where he was basically manning everything from, I guess, his phone. Um, there was no. I don't think he was going out. Um, they also kept the artists in the dark a lot. So a lot of what the only thing that the only time it looked like they cared when and, and you knew where it was coming because we had like a group chat and they'd be like, hey, how's everyone doing? All right. Can you post all this? <laughs> but then if there wasn't a day that he they wanted us to post anything, there was no hello. No, you know what I'm saying? Like it was just like strictly, hey, guys. Uh, we want you to promote this and hey guys, we want you to do this and hey guys and then I, I have to say that I'm proud of the people in our group because after the first or second round we were like we ain't promoting shit like this guy's like like a floozy even though we were still part of the event we were like yo this guy's a floozy like we're not gonna put all this shit out here when all they do is keep us stressed and want us to promote. Um, I'm not sure who the audience was, but when we first did the first round of It's the Bronx, where it was all like on Bronx and Bronx 12, and they were saying, this is the preview to the big event, which it was funny because the, the first event was supposed to be the big event. Um, we noticed the audience that came in, and I was like, yo, I don't, maybe I don't walk around the Bronx enough, but this doesn't look like my Bronx people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. a lot of the Bronx people that were there were there because they knew the artist. But besides mm -hmm. that, I didn't I mean, if I were to throw a number at it, it'd be like 65, 35, like 65 being people I have no idea who the hell they were or thinking mm -hmm. like, yo, these people do not look like they belong in the Bronx. Like mm -hmm. they don't. So um, we kind of put that together too. We were like, what? And then when we saw the $30 price ticket, we were like, what the fuck? Like, there's no way. And I remember being in my, in our own personal group chat being like, yo, this, this $30 ticket price is not for the people of the Bronx. Like it's not. I'm sorry. Like if I would have paid ten dollars max, max, mm -hmm. not thirty, and I don't even care if it was a two day festival. Like I'll still pay ten for two days. Like that's how I felt. Um, but yeah, I don't know who the hell they were targeting. But that was another reason for me to be like, "Yo, for, we're doing a show in a forty-four million dollar building. They're charging thirty dollars a ticket. Like this isn't for us. We're literally like just the fucking art on the wall. That's." I don't know what they're doing. Are they going to show it? Like to me, I was like, yo, this seems like a showing that they're, they're people are getting, they're paying to come see this building. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know. And, and then, um, I guess the people that were leading it, um, he had recruited, I guess, local people from the Bronx that do these type of events and like handle these type of things. And I guess, you know, trick them into working for free for credit and all this other stuff that they, <laughs> I don't know. They, they didn't tell us what was going on, but it was clear to see that, they didn't know what was going on either. They were just being used and abused too. Okay. Huh. So no no one was paid during this process? Well, none of the artists were. 
I don't know if anyone else was, but I remember there was times when, um, you know, like on the first round, the first event, the first preview event at the brewery, um, I remember overhearing some people that were working under him going like, yo, I ain't, this is too stressful. I ain't get paid for this. Like, um, and I'm like, oh, okay. Like, you know, I'm, I'm observing these things and I'm like, all right, well, I guess he's kind of like promising them shit and that he's not going to deliver. I mean, once I heard that, I was like, oh, something's not right here either. And the bands weren't paid? Oh, I, I'm going to be honest. We didn't even know that there was like music going to be there like that. Like, because they, I, they, they separated everybody so that each group had like their own little chat but you know some people were making more ruckus than others the funny thing is that they put us all the ones that were in that first event into one chat and i think we were the only chat that was making a lot of ruckus because we had already gone through it already so we were kind of like yo what the fuck you know asking questions like what's going mm-hmm. on with this what's going on with that and i I think even marco when they came on and he was like y'all the only chat that gives me problems and i was like yeah because we ask fucking questions you know what i mean like we want to know because you told us this and this looks different but yet, which is another corporate mind trick, you bring in new people so that way the older people have to shut up. The people who've already been in can shut up or drop out, and then the new people keep the whole pyramid scheme kind of going. Okay. Yeah. So that's what it felt like. A lot wow. of my games. And you come from a, a business background, and I'm sure there's like a whole uh, psychological formula where artists potentially get manipulated. And it sounds like that's what happened. And what's even more um, disturbing is that local media entities were endorsing him and not doing their journalistic research and understanding who he is and where did he come from. Um, And that's another thing that we at Hydropunk want to shine light on. Um, If you are a media entity from our community, it's your duty to be culturally competent and it's your duty to, with the resources that you have to see who you're uh, co-sponsoring, you know? And again, gentrification is something that we all know. It's something that unfortunately our elders and parents didn't know back in the day when Harlem was going through gentrification, when Bush Brooklyn was going through it. Uh, it was something that they saw, um, but they didn't know what to call it. But we as the youth know what it is. And it's unregulated mass displacement mm-hmm. because no one is holding corporate entities, real estate entities, uh, developer entities accountable. No one is, uh, I guess, really identifying the key elements on how they market and rebrand working class neighborhoods. And those that are able to identify it are found in the academia, but you know we don't have access to that. Um, But luckily, I did, you know, um, I have friends who are currently uh, studying urban planning, and this is something that's talked about, but nothing is being done about it. So we at Hydropunk, you know, we've been hosting events over the last five years um, as a way to sustain our artists and as a way to keep our culture preserved and alive and to provide um, safe haven for our community members, you know, who have to work to survive and who go through hardships every single day, you know, and music is a form of healing. Art is a form of healing. It's great to have representation. It's great to have safe spaces because out here we're not safe, Mm -hmm. especially Mm -hmm. during this political climate under Trump. Uh, That being said, uh, we at Hydropunk, uh, we are changing our, our focus 
and we do want to create a movement that shines light on the realities of this housing crisis. Um, not too long ago, there was an article released by the Gothamist. Um, I do a lot of uh, volunteer work in my local community. I, um, I'm from the East Bronx. I don't live too far from Bronx Park East. And right now, as we speak in Pelham Parkway, uh, there are tenants that are facing a rent increase by $700. And as we speak, evictions are taking place. This is all interconnected. The housing, it's a real thing. The housing crisis in New York City. And who's going to bring awareness to this? You know, uh, I'm a community mobilizer. And the goal is to be a community organizer. And uh, we managed to gather up community collectives from all over New York City to join us in this rally, Artists Against Displacement. Um, we had Harlem Solidarity and Defense pull up. We had Comite Boricua. We had NYC sh uh, Shut It Down, whose focus is a shining light on police brutality. You know, these are people from different neighborhoods that have seen gentrification with their eyes and are warning us on these trends. And we're doing our best as artists as community members to shine light on these realities because who else is going to save us but ourselves and we hope that um people listen and we hope that change happens and i guess to end this you know which side of history do we want to be on you know that's something that we have to think about at the end of the day um the bronx is still burning and as young uh politically conscious able-bodied beings it's our duty to talk about it because we have a lot of marginalized folks in our community that don't know what's happening because they have to work to survive. And that is a truth. And as someone um, that has the privilege to understand these processes and that is trying to uh, make this information accessible and known, we want to spark a movement on this housing crisis that the people that come to my events are facing. I had a sister come to me the other day and tell me, I live in Mont Haven. I can't afford a $13 burger that is being sold in these kickstarted businesses that are found in Mont Haven. You know, like she lives in the NYCHA housing complex not too far. And she tells me, like, thank you so much for talking about this because no one else is talking about it. No one gives a shit. You know, this is affecting me and my family. This is very real. And we're not doing this for fame. We're not doing this for attention. This is something that's affecting the people that come to my events and I want to do something about it as much as I can. So I thank you for your time and your energy and your testament. And I hope that for everyone watching, please pull up to the Andrew Freeman home town hall meeting. We are the artists. We are the ones that create the culture in the Bronx. You know, we're lit. We're fabulous. We're survivals. Even though we, we may not have much, we're still happy and existing and creating content from our barrios and we have to think about the youth you know i'm an educator in the south bronx and right now we're teaching my students about gentrification um and i'm not gonna enclose where i work but we are photo documenting um the developments that are emerging in their neighborhoods and my students tell me you know with fear in their face like is this for us uh we had them watch a movie about brownsville brooklyn and it's gentrification and what happened to them, you know, um, how families got displaced and they tell us, like, is this going to happen to us? So I do this for them. Mm -hmm. This is not for uh, clout. This is not <laughs> uh, to brand hydropunk. 
this is for the youth. And as someone that sees this in my events, I hear testaments from people that come to my events and that is involved with South Bronx youth that are afraid. Um, I got to do something about it and shame on anyone that is hyper aware and educated on these processes and not doing anything about it and shame on local politicians that are paving the way for these entities to come into our neighborhoods and shame on them for not doing their job. <laughs> We're doing it for them, but you know, whatever. Yeah. We out here. <laughs> Monica, tell us one more time where we can find you, please. You can find me at, at Rated M. That's my personal account. Um, but most importantly, you can follow Hydropunk, H-Y-D-R-0-P-U-N-K. Um, in a couple of days, we are launching the Diaspora News. Um, I come from a journalism background, and the goal is to go to grad school to continue doing the work because we need uh, media that's controlled by us to highlight our narratives and our stories because who else is going to do it but us? Yeah, awesome. Well, Monica, I really appreciate you being on the channel. It was great. I'm going to put all that information below so that really people can um, follow it. When are you doing the Andrew Freeman thing? You said you were um, well, and Andrew Freeman Home actually announced that they are hosting a town hall meeting. Uh, they haven't established a date, but we are all on standby to see when, and I hope that I'm able to see the music and arts and cultural institutions that claim they're about community show fate. Because me as an artist, I would like to know uh, what they have to offer and what alternative resources they have for us. Because isn't that, isn't that their job? Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, I'm, I'm going to put all that information below and I'll try to release this as soon as possible so that way it, it matches at least with the Andrew Freeman stuff. Um, and, I, and I thank you again. I'm humbled. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. To my audience, please go check out Monica. She's uh, doing some big things and it's important to pay attention to this. You don't have to necessarily follow her if you don't like it, but you have to stand up for yourself. And it's just something that we have to do at work, at our at home, uh, community. I mean, just politically, government-wise, just everything needs... We're in a time where we all have to stand up and put in our, put in our little piece of the pie. Um, and I appreciate you, Monica. Thank you so much. To my audience, I'll catch you around in the next episode. Peace. Thank you, Monica. Bye-bye.